Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. With hosts Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. (laughs) (laughs) They'd get his... (laughs) I don't even have a joke, Dave! (laughs) Dave Dave smells like nougat! Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. All right, welcome to Saints Happy Hour Podcast. We're recording on a Sunday tonight. It's sort of a special edition. Uh, next week, July 4th week, you are going to get Drunk Saints History. I got the one, the only, Skooks of Twitter fame to come on and talk 1991-1992 Saints. He was supposed to go for 45 minutes. We went for 97 minutes. Oh my God! Did he talk politics? No, it was all Saints. He has he had a box of old Times Picayune's from 1991 of every Monday after the Saints games. So we would go over the game, and he would open the Times Picayune and read quotes from players. It's it's beyond phenomenal. Like he's he's quoting Ricky Jackson, and Dave keeps dropping in and out like uh, Dave is wont to do. Um, so. Uh, there's Dave. Dave, you're back. Yeah. I know what that I know what that weird noise is. Now I updated Skype because I was having so much audio problems. It's the new it's the new sound effects in the new the new updated Skype when you drop in and out. It makes like a clicking noise. So anyway, um, what no, is that's not obnoxious. <laughs> so anyway, we had Skooks on Drunk History. Thanks for everybody for donating. If you donated to make it happen, when you listen to that one, you're gonna be like that is the best $12 I ever spent in my entire life. I promise you. Uh, so anyway, uh, this podcast, we, 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 we kick around topics sometimes, but, but I was trying to come up with a, with a, with a fun, interesting topic as we, if we get to training camp because the Saints are 73 days away from playing Minnesota on Monday night. So I was trying to think of a, a fun topic to do. And this topic tonight, you know, because people are saying that I'm too negative on Twitter. I called Andrew the 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 angel of death when he calls my phone. Uh, I know it's horrible <laughs> Saints news about to happen. So for this podcast, we are going to do what I call the delusional Saints training camp preview, aka how thirteen and three happens. We are going to go position by position, and there is not going to be a negative word spoken we might say this is why it can be okay this is why it'll be pretty good or we can say this is why it's going to be fucking phenomenal if anybody starts being negative each one of us will just say shut the fuck up because this i like how 
I like how this our, this whole thing is supposed to be delusional and totally optimistic, and yet the goal isn't to get to sixteen and <laughs> out, It's just thirteen and three. All right, like, I'll change it. You're... Even even we, we've already, you've already started off. Fair and enough. You're already not even giving the Saints their their a perfect record. You're not. Fair even enough. I changed the credit. I changed the title to sixteen and zero, Dave. Are you happy? Even in, even in the see, even subconsciously, <laughs> even you don't even. I can't. You you think thirteen and three is as good as it gets for the Saints? It's true. <laughs> guilty as guilty as charged. Can we reset the whole thing? <laughs> but I've already I've already belly laughed really hard, so I know this topic is good, right, Andrew? This is a good idea. Well, I'm just not sure, like. Am I supposed to be so delusionally? Yes. Uh, am I supposed to go so far? Am I supposed to go so far into with two feet into the sixteen and zero things that like? I don't know. I just worry that it's not even an enjoyable listen for. Well, our no, that's like I, I think, just like not even being serious. No, I think thir- I, I think thirteen and three. Now that I think about it, I think 13, 13 and three is the wildly optimistic. It, 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 it can, it it's can, not happening. It can happen. No, we're going to create a way for it to happen in the next 35 minutes. Okay. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to start off with uh, an easy position, which is which is quarterback. So I'll start with you, with you, with you Dave. For 13-3 and three to happen for the Saints, what does Drew Brees have to do st- – we know he had to be. He's ha- he's got to be healthy. You can't go thirteen and three with Chase Daniels. But what has to happen for for what kind of stats and season does Drew Brees have to have for thirteen and three to happen? Really, I, I think most importantly and obviously is uh, is just his turnover ratio, his interceptions. You uh, you can even include fumbles, uh, fumbles for loss. You know, Drew's going to be Drew if he's if he's healthy and plays sixteen games. Um, he's going to put up very good numbers. He's going to, uh, he's going to get his touchdowns. He's going to get his yardage. Um, but usually the difference between the good Saints seasons and the bad Saints seasons is, uh, you know, how many interceptions Drew ends up throwing. So, uh, that, that's all he really needs to do is just, uh, keep the turnovers low. Uh, Andrew, like, give me, give me a, give me a touchdown throwing give me like ratios and yards and fun shit that he would have to do to get the saints to 13 and three yeah i mean i think the running game and the offensive line kind of plays into this so you know as we know the best seasons with the saints are not necessarily the best seasons statistically for drew yeah 2009 Uh, he threw the fewest amount of passes yeah so i think it's more about efficiency i mean if there's one stat i would look at it's probably qb rating um, just because and I think in 2009, he didn't have the yards, he didn't have maybe the, the, the big numbers, but I, I think his rating was like 109 or something yeah. like that. And I think it was the best he ever had. So, uh, I would say that, you know, if he has a, a rating of above of 105, I'd say, Ooh, that's... um, then that feels pretty good. I think he needs to not be on pace for... 5,000 yards for the Saints yeah. to be 13. I'm with you. It's like counterintuitive, but yeah. like, like I said, I think, you know, if the stats are lower, that means the team doesn't need him and to go you, nuts. What you, what you want for the, for, I think the, the, the dream, the, the way that, that 13 and three is really possible and getting back to your counterintuitive, I think the counterintuitive thing is like, if the Saints are three and one and ESPN during the week is like, the Saints are three and one, but is Drew Brees in decline? And he's kind of not playing great, 
but not playing terrible, but his stats are like way down. And people think he's he's kind of like maybe on the decline, but he just hadn't had those those three, four, five kick-ass Drew Brees games yet, and the Saints are still three and one. Right. Or four Am I allowed to say something negative about the media? Yes. No. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. The media, yeah. Okay. Go for it. Well, I, I mean, I just think I think if the Saints are four and one and Brees is kind of playing awful, let, let's say the defense is amazing and special teams <laughs> is out of their mind and Ingram and Peterson are both going off, but Brees is kind of mediocre. Like, if the Saints are four and one, the media will be like, is Brees back to having an MVP? There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Albert year. I guarantee <laughs> that will happen because for all these years that he's been gangbusters, the decline comments have come. It, it, I'm more convinced than ever that the sheer function of a starting quarterback's record is all that the pundits, especially now where like real reporting is out and it's all hot takes. You know, it, I mean, they, they, they're just going to look at the record of the team and then base how good they think the quarterback is. You know, it's too bad that Kevin isn't on the show tonight or that he's going to be watching the games this year because if the Saints started 4 0, <laughs> if the Saints start 4 0, and let's say Drew Brees has like a. He only has like six touchdowns in four games, but it's like six touchdowns and and one pick. Then they start the MVP talk like that would <laughs> Kevin's head will just explode. He might come onto the podcast anyway because he can watch ESPN and and other things, so he'll be up to date on like all ancillary Saints news. I'm not kidding. The Saint the Saint if the Saints start like six and one and Breeze has like five touchdowns and three picks, like they'll be like totally leader, leadership. He's they'll gritty. Be, yeah, yeah, they'll be like, yeah, he's gritty. You know, he, he, might, he might not be putting up his stat, the best stats of his career, but he's having an MVP season. He's letting the defense. just a winner. <laughs> he's letting the defense and Adrian Peterson do the work. Uh, so now we go to the to the offensive line. And look, since we're I don't talking, think we'll ever hear them say that. <laughs> since, we're, since we go to the offensive line. That Andrew, was negative. You get a shot. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Dave. So now we go to the offensive line. And, and this is hard to phrase without even being negative, but. The group that they have right now, Andrew. You're uh, on thin ice, buddy. Uh, how does it how does it come together and be better than 2016? That's going to be fine. It's going to be great. <laughs> Look, first of all, they took Ryan Ramchek in round one. They they knew this was coming. They couldn't count on Armstead. Look, Armstead always gets injured, so they knew 
They had to go out in the draft and get a tackle, That's a guy that totally could come in and start for them. And, and, and Ramchick was taken in the first round because odds were they were going to need him his the first year he was there. And, and that hip surgery is you know, just making the hip better and stronger. Look, they signed the contract. If, if they, you know, they waited a little while to see how the hip was doing, but the contract's done now, so we know the hip is good to go. They, they saw what they needed to see. They gave him the contract. I'm not worried. Uh, Ramchek, I think, could be awesome. And even if he's not, look, they'll just plug in Andres Pete, who was left tackle plenty last year, and he did fine. Um, <laughs> look, they're better equipped to handle Armstead injury this year than they were last year. And last year, the Armstead injuries weren't a deal breaker. Dave, Just saying. Dave. Uh, and Unger's going to be back week one. Yeah, no worries. No worries. No worries. Dave, uh, they called Warford ass and mass. So how many T-shirts are you going to sell with ass and mass on them this year? <laughs> I don't tend to get into uh, into the Saints stuff unless they have a really good season and, and people start going for it. So. Uh, and since let's, that's let's not forget, Streve probably has at least six, seven more years left in him. Okay, all right, all right, yeah, okay. <laughs> he said, he said, delusional, not psychotic. <laughs> so, um, so you, but I mean, and look, they can. I, I think that's Andrew. I think they can absorb one more injury on the offensive line, slide Calametti, and and maybe be twenty sixteen quality. Next man up, guys. Next man up. All right. Now we get to the fun part. Running back. Uh, they, they could, the offensive line could be okay. I, I, the main thing is we, we talked about this just real quick, like in, in the offseason, Ralph. We were saying, like, yeah, we're really excited about the offensive line, which at the time was true because their five deep, you know, their five starters are have the potential to, to make them awesome, like Dallas Cowboys quality. And they're too deep in terms of their backups. They can sustain two injuries and still be okay. So the two injuries have happened, but Unger will hopefully be back. And so they can sustain one more injury after Unger's back maybe. But, you know, as long as that happens, like the line as it is right now could still be pretty good. And Khalif Barnes lost a ton of weight, and he's got a long-term lease in New Orleans. So they're fine. They're fine. And Bryce uh, Harris will give him tips on the Falcons' offense. Exactly. They're good. Now the fun part. Dave, the running backs. Um, you, they, they're going to have your boyfriend, Mark Ingram, uh, Adrian Peterson, and Kamara. What has to happen at the running back position to get them to 13-3? and three? Uh, Well, you know, I mean, the Saints definitely have to um, be committed to the running game. Uh, and they have to actually give it a chance. But... Um, Obviously, uh, Ingram is is going to continue and piggyback off, off of the last two seasons he's had, which have been pretty good. Um, and um, obviously, Kamara is is immediately going to be the next Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles. Uh, Definitely, it starts week one. He'll return a punt for scat back. Yeah, oh, I mean, week one, he's gonna like he's gonna take a a double reverse end around all the way to the to, to the house. Um. But uh, and then um, obviously Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is going to have a significantly larger role than any of us uh, think he's going to have. And um, him and Ingram are just going to become like this one-two combo punch. You know, Ingram gets tired 
Peterson goes in there, fresh legs, and we're just gonna just gonna be grinding out all these thirteen wins. They're gonna be grinders. Andrew, in two thousand nine, the Saints ran it. If you take out Drew Brees' rushes and sacks, they ran it four hundred and thirty five times. Can they get to that number if they're thirteen and three? Will they oh. will they have to get to that number? Yeah, absolutely. I I mean I, I expect them to, I definitely expect them to try. I mean, I think that's the goal this year and going in. And yeah, I think if the team's going thirteen and three, that's got to be a fact. How does that break up? That 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 if, let's say they get. Let's say they got to. Four, let's be since we're saying thirteen. Let's say they get four hundred and fifty carries, not Drew Brees sacks and rushes. How do you think those four fifty would be broken up? Ideally, you know, I'm gonna actually say something that a little unexpected here and say that for for this to work for the Saints to run that much and for them to go 13 and 3 I'm going to say that what has to happen is Mark Ingram becomes an afterthought and that's not and that's not because I don't think he's a good player I think he's a very good player but I think for the Saints to become dominant on the ground you know Ingram I, I think there's been games, you know, where he kind of tears it up and, and then games where you know, he kind of gets shut down early and, and doesn't really get it going. And I, I just think if Adrian Peterson's Adrian yeah, Peterson, yeah. like the Adrian Peterson of old, I, I just I don't see how Ingram fits. Like, I, I mean, I think he'll get snaps. I mean, but but Ingram becomes Hightower. Does and it, Peterson, be- Peterson becomes not only Ingram, but Ingram plus. But because I, mean- I think the Saints will hand the ball off to Peterson more than they did to Ingram. Does it, become a, does it become a case of sort of like, not only is Ing- Adrian Peterson awesome, but the Saints are like, not only is he awesome, but we're not even, like, he's so awesome, we can't help ourselves. We can't limit his carries. We just got to give Well, him- I, I think they'll have to because of his age. Nice. I think they'll have to because of his age. But um, I, I think, you know, the other guy that we can't forget about in this equation is Kamara. How many if, rushes do you think he'd get if they if they if they if the Saints are rolling and, and are close to? I don't, I don't even think I don't even think he needs to be sprawled. You know, if he's like, like Reggie Bush light, like if he's better, I don't think Traverse Cadet. First of all, like Traverse Cadet gets a bad rap. I, I think he's a good NFL player, or at least decent. But I, I just think if he's better than Cadet, if Kamara his rookie season is better than Cadet. And Adrian Peterson is like the Adrian Peterson of old and is just killing people. And then Ingram becomes like the luxury backup. I'm, to me, that's just... Well, I mean, if, if, if Kamara is better than Cadet, which you, he better be considering what they gave up for him. I mean, if he's better than Cadet, you're talking like 55 catches and 50 rushes, right? That's fair. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. 13-3. So, Dave, will you be heartbroken if your boyfriend takes a backseat to a child beater? <clears throat> You know, it's funny we're talking about this because on Canal Street Chronicles this week, our buddy Stu posted a, a fan post, and he was really relaying a message from somebody else. Um, and it was it kind of really got me thinking and maybe even changed my mind about the whole Ingram-Peterson situation. Uh, you know, I mean, do we really think that Sean Payton and Loomis and whoever else got Adrian Peterson down here in New Orleans and were able to sign them by saying you're gonna 
you're gonna take you're gonna split carries. I, I just I don't see that. Adrian yeah, Peterson maybe. has always been Adrian Peterson has always been the guy. Yeah, no, in but, his entire that, career. but but what other options did he have, Dave? Yeah, I think I think I have can... to imagine that there that there were other teams that were willing not, to. No, not really. Not really. I mean, <laughs> I think I think the thing. But Dave, that that I, makes me nervous. Then then I that think, makes me think that the I, Saints are the only stupid team. No, if, if, if thirty one other teams. Uh, if you look at 31 other teams and none of them are willing to sign them, then what, what, what are the Saints missing then? I think Adrian Peterson is not, not that it's a lie, but I think he said, to, he said, he came to the Saints and the Saints are like, look, we're going to give you 125 to 150 carries. Mark Ingram's a guy, you're going to get a ton of carries, but it's going to keep you fresh and young and you're 32 and you don't want to take the work. And I think Adrian Peterson said, yeah, that's cool. I, I like your offense because you run three tight ends and I can run with a fullback, which I like. But in the back of Adrian Peterson's mind, he's like, these clowns, they don't understand. I'm back and I'm Adrian fucking Peterson and I'm going to be the number <laughs> one guy by week two. And he doesn't say it to them, but that's what he's thinking. Right. You know, well, and, all of them are saying Mark Ingram is thinking I'm going to keep this clown Adrian Peterson on the bench. Yeah, I mean, um, so honestly, hopefully that's good. Hopefully that motivates both of them and uh, and keeps them both hungry. Yeah. The, you know, and here's another fun. You know, we did running backs and that's fun. But uh, they had a post on Saints Nation today. Andrew, I saw that you had Michael Thomas can be the best Saints receiver uh, in Saints history. That was uh, Brian. That yeah. was Brian. It was interesting, okay. but but here's the thing: like, if the Saints are a are a juggernaut on offense in their 2009 version or 2011 version, where does Michael Thomas's stats fit into this equation of 13 and three that we're trying to build? Is it is it is he is he does he does he stay the same at like 90, 90 to ninety five catches and eleven hundred yards, or does he take a step back but maybe more more touchdowns? How does it play out if the Saints are? Rolling? No, I think if they're not forcing the ball to him, he might have slightly less catches, but he could have more touchdowns, more yards, more yards per catch. You know, so you know, I don't necessarily think that. I mean, it might be a slight step down in catches, but again, like remember, if you're when Breeze in two thousand nine when he's throwing the ball less, his efficiency was way up. You know, and his and his rating was way up. So you know, sometimes less is more. And um, that was a great article. I mean, I agree with a lot of what uh, Brian said, by the way. But if you look, I mean, remember that was the year that Colston got hurt. Um, but I'm looking at the stats now. Colston led the team with 70 catches that year. Yeah. Um, you know that he had the most, but Breeze was really spreading the ball around. I mean, if you look, it was Colston with 70, Shockey with 48. Reggie Bush with 47, Meacham with 45, Devery Henderson with 51. So, I mean, I just named one, two, three, four, five players that had 45 catches or more. Yeah. And Pierre Thomas had 39. You know, so Breeze was really spreading the ball around. And there was no, you know, nothing more uh, kind of. And that team throttled. And that team was, I mean, they didn't trail for the first five weeks of the 2009 season. And yeah, I mean, I a microcosm of this is is the the touchdown br- drive in the Super Bowl where Breeze threw to eleven different receivers. Yeah, and they were. Bl- uh, I mean, in yeah. that season, they were blowing teams out, and they th- they were throttling back in the second half. That's why Mike Bell led the team in rush because they would be like, "Oh, we're ahead by three touchdowns. All right, let's give it to Mike Bell." And I mean, so Pierre Thomas actually led the team in rushing. I'm looking at the stats. Oh, did he? Bell was second. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So so that that could be a thing. Uh. But Dave, if the Saints are rolling to thirteen and three, and you have Michael Thomas being awesome, 
Who who do you think would be the second guy? Would it be Willie Sneed, Fleener, or is there like because they would be they'll be so awesome they'll be like a, a mystery guy come up and surprise us as the second leading receiver? Um, no, I mean I think uh, well we're being delusional. So I mean Fleener is obviously he's going to have a bounce back. <laughs> Uh, 85 you know, like catches nine, nine. No, I don't know about that you know maybe 60 catches but like nine touchdowns Ooh, that's that's do- hey third, for 13 to three that is doable that is not that's not I would, I would say I would say Kamara would be the second in catches yeah that's where I was going after Thomas in this scenario is there is there is there a scenario in this Andrew? And because we're being super optimistic, I'm going to say if the Saints are going in 13-3, and three, Brandon Coleman is going to have a significant role in it. Like, he gets to like 40 to 45 catches. No. I, I, think, I, think, I think a significant role, meaning like he's a blocker and, you know, he be, becomes a red zone force where he, he may catch 28 passes and – Eight of them are touched. Oh, that would be that would be phenomenal. That would be phenomenal because you know what, Andrew? After about three of those touchdowns, like Brandon Coleman could be your if you're in a fantasy league with three wide receivers and you don't have a third guy. Like Brandon, he's Coleman, like the Devery. He's, he's like, like the, the De- he's like the Devery yeah. Henderson lottery ticket. You're like yeah. I'm just I don't have anybody else, so I'm just gonna because the Saints' offense is so great. I'm just gonna start him and hope. Like that that would be phenomenal. Um, so we've done the offense. Uh, now we come uh, to the the really interesting part of how you how you get this to thirteen and three the the defense. So I'll start with I'll start with the defensive line, uh, Dave. I guess what in your mind would Cam Jordan have to do to get the Saints to thir- to help the Saints get to thirteen and three? Well, for the whole de- you know Cam Jordan, you know. 10 sacks, Nick Fairley, healthy, plays uh, similar season as last year. Sheldon Rankins obviously stays healthy. Um, he's, he has his breakout year in his sophomore season. Um, and uh, who else do they have on that line? They, they just... Um, Onyemata, Okafor. Yeah. Tony McDaniel. Um, yeah. Yeah, somebody, some, some you know... One one of these, obviously, one of these lesser known guys is going to have to well, I hate step to, up and you know, compare maybe six, seven sacks. And in two thousand nine, Andrew on the defensive line, uh, Anthony Hargrove just came from nowhere and was right. Pheno- he was phenomenal. That was a big deal, yeah. I mean, he 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 was a huge underrated key to the two thousand nine season. I mean, everybody remembers uh, Sharper, but. Hargrove was a huge key. If I had to say to you, the Saints are going to go thirteen and three, like we said at the beginning of this podcast, who is most likely on that defensive line to really shock people? Because I don't necessarily think that Okafor, if he got seven, eight sacks, would shock people. But but Hargrove, yeah. I mean, no, we, I don't even think on the podcast we didn't even fucking mention him. You know, he was just like an afterthought. Who would be the guy that would just like blow us out of the water if he's like a five to eight sack guy? Yeah, I mean, I would say Rankins, you know, could explode in year two, but I, I think we're hoping that happens. So I don't know that that would be my guy. Um, 
I would say Kikaha because I actually <laughs> think I, I actually think he's capable. We've all kind of forgot about him because, I mean, you know, the injury. I mean, there's yeah. a good chance he there's a good chance he's done. But let's say his ACL is okay and he makes it through the whole year and he bounces back to a similar level that he was. That dude's a baller, and I absolutely think he could get back to. And that. he's fun. He's got hair, he's so like fans would. I think if I think if Kikaha's really good, like fans will fall in love with him. And whenever the Saints win. They have weird things that fans gravitate to. I even think the Saints fans gravitate towards the weirdest thing of all the fans. Like, you know, they did the Ying Yang twins in 2009. And when we when I did the, the Drunk History with Scoops, we were talking about Cha-Ching. We, like, Saints fans just decided this weird commercial was yeah, the Cha-Ching thing. Yeah, Cha-Ching was great. The, you know, so, like, I could see, like, Kikaha. Cha-Ching, bada-bing! Kikikaha being this thing with his hair and his his energy and all, and fans really falling in love with it. So I think that's a good pick. Um, Do you know who who was the actor? Seth Green. That's right. They flew him in for the Monday night game. The Cha-Ching actor. They flew him in for the Monday night game versus the Raiders. And he did the the Cha-Ching skit at halftime. So... Uh, Dave Linebacker, which has been basically a sore spot for the Saints um, for the last 20 years. Uh, how does a linebacker be good enough to get them to 13-3? and three? Uh, All right, well, this is totally delusional, but Ellerby plays 16 games. Yeah, it is! <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you were just talking about Kikaha. I mean, he, he's... He, he plays a little linebacker. Too. Look, if you quantify, if you start a sentence with "this is totally delusional," but that that doesn't qualify for what we're going for here. Ellerby does. Play- this is delusional. Ellerby's playing sixteen games, probably making the Pro Bowl. <laughs> well, if he plays sixteen games, he has a shot at the Pro Bowl. <laughs> for delusional being is in the title of the game, Andrew. <laughs> um, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, uh, what's his face? The well, uh, oh, uh, Stefan Anthony. He he. Um, oh, somehow he starts playing. I don't know how. I don't know how that's going to work. But he just all of a sudden starts playing. <laughs> he starts. That might not, be. That might be too crazy even for this. He's class. not too. Yeah. Stefan Anthony is not terrible. That's just <laughs> that. That is the. That is that's the level. That's how far he's fallen. That it's just Stefan Anthony's not terrible, and you're like, that's insane. That is crazy talk. Um, but, um, Andrew, what, like, if, if the Saints are 13 and three and their defense is like middle of the pack or really good, like how good does, how good does, I guess the linebackers and more specifically, how good does Klein, would Klein have to be? Yeah, yeah, that that was the thing I was going to say is I think AJ Klein has to be the guy that comes in, you know. He never really got a chance to show exactly what he could do with the Panthers because he was behind Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson. I mean, they, they just have so many dudes that are insanely good that he just didn't get to play. But you, know, you just have to hope he's a guy like yeah, Steve, Young, that, that would Steve be. Young waiting behind Joe Montana. You know, he's just waiting to be unleashed or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say Klein needs to be awesome. Ellerby and Manti Teo, you know. Oh, I forgot healthy. about Manti Teo. Would be nice um, because those are a couple guys that have played well when they've been healthy in the league. So Anzalone, uh, what about Anzalone? Yeah, I mean, Anzalone. for him, 
for him, I mean, I think with him, it's health too, you know? So I, I would say the main thing is, you know, you, if you're asking me, how does this happen? I just think they have insane, insanely good health with guys that have injury history. Dave, Saints are 13-3 and three, over under for Delvin Bro interceptions. That's at six. <laughs> Push. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. We got to get them to thirteen and three. They got to get them to thirteen and three some kind of way. We got to you got to have a defense with turnovers, man. You know, or you yeah. got or you got to have an offense averaging thirty five. You know, did we lose Dave? I think we no. I didn't hear the little. Uh, let me see, Dave. Are you there? No, I'm right here. Yeah, Dave, okay. so Dave, over yeah. under, bro. How many interceptions does Bro have? If the Saints are going thirteen and three. Over. When? Over seven. Seven. Lattimore, De- Andrew, is Lattimore Dion? Is is he is he Dion Sanders by Halloween or Thanksgiving? I don't think he has to be Dion Sanders. I don't even think Bro has to have six picks. I just think both of them need to play sixteen games. Oh. And, I'm and, not even gonna say sixteen games. We need fourteen 15. games from we both. Need, but I mean, if I feel like if to get them to thirteen three, somebody in the secondaries gotta be like. Not Darren Sharper esque, but somebody's got to be like a turnover creating Sammy. Yeah, Knight that's going that's going to be Marcus Williams. We'll get to that. Yeah, so we're we're there. We're we're we're, we've <laughs> we're there. Got, we're at the secondary. We're, we're at there. So we've gotten to that. Oh. So you would say you would say Mark you would say Marcus Williams will just kick all kinds. He's of He's Darren Sharper. Yeah, he comes in and he's just a ball hawking animal. Like he's rat. Like he's Minus like. The, Minus the raping. Minus the raping. So, like, on Monday yeah, night, you know, Mike, ideally. on Monday night, he's, like, recovering a fumble and, like, getting a pick to, like, wrap up the game is what you're saying. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's um, what I'm saying. And so, he's not a danger to the community. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, Co- Bill Cosby is going to give talks around America to... Cosby uh, sweater. To, to, uh, to, to highlight uh, on what not to do. To sexually assault women, I, I guess it's it's just going to be Bill Cosby saying, uh, "Don't drug and then rape women and enjoy the pudding pops." I guess that's going to be the the entirety of the the Bill Cosby uh, tour in America. But that goes on the defense. But now, Dave, we still have to do special teams, right? Oh boy! So what I'm has trying to stay positive? I'm trying yeah, to stay sure. positive. You got to stay positive. So what has I actually, this isn't even me being uh, delusional? I actually think. Special teams will be a lot better this year. I really do. I mean, they can't be any worse, right? Ralph, Ralph, Andrew's gone off the deep end. <laughs> well, Andrew, explain it. Explain to me. Explain it to people why the special teams are going to be are going to be decent or good. All right. First of all, Kevin O'Day is the kicking game specialist, right? And right. they didn't they didn't miss a single kick once once he joined the team. So I'm assuming that the kicking game has a guy that has his eye on things has helped. Yes. And that if there's any bump in the road during the course of the season with the kicking game, that's something he's focused on, and he will keep that on the straight and narrow. Secondly, the guy – so for years, the complaint with McMahon was he's a position coach that got stuck doing special teams because he couldn't do anything else, um, and he wasn't like a specialist. Well, Bradford Banta, the, the special teams coach, yeah. was – was a long snapper for double digit seasons in the league. So he was a specialist in the NFL. And so I'm not too worried about him coaching up the long snapper, like whoever they end up picking, 
I think he's a vet that did it and that's a specialty and he's going to do well with that. And like, I, I just think he is going to be one of those special teams coaches that no stone unturned and he's just going to understand it and know it because he did it. And I think the biggest thing, like I've heard this a lot in the NFL, like kickers and punters, like so many of them have said like, yeah, we kind of just do our own thing because like, yeah, we get advice from coaches, but they never kicked. They never punted. How many special teams coaches in the league were, were specialists that know how to kick, know how to punt, know the ins and outs of that stuff. They don't. And I just think Banta kind of does because yeah, because he, he can. He, he wasn't a kicker, but he was in the yeah, middle. Yeah, but he of, could. But like a long snapper could say, "Hey, Thomas, Thomas, when you're kicking like this, you need to kick it over here because this really helps our our team in the coverage this way. We want to pin this guy this way, and he know like he knows the analysis of it. Where another special teams coach is like, ah, I don't know, just you know, yeah, kick I, I just right now this staff has two special teams coaches that are good enough to be special teams coaches, head special teams coaches. Special. So they've got two experienced coaches and they've got a bunch of guys. I mean, Banjo's back. Morstead's great. I think Will Lutz is going to be a lot better in year two. And if you look at the returners on this team, you know, last year we were looking at Tommy Lee Lewis and Traveris Cadet. Those were kind of the guys, maybe Marcus Murphy. And this year we're looking at Alvin Kamara, Ted Ginn, um, I just think it's a lot more promising. Dave, I forgot about Ginn. The Saint, I, and I'm. This is dead serious. This is not only for this optimistic why the Saints are going thirteen to three. The Saints special teams are going to be top half in everything, and when they go thirteen and three, they're going to be top ten in returns and coverage, think, all of it. I think people forget in two thousand nine how ridiculously good Saints special teams was. Yeah, it's just it's Courtney really- Roby was awesome on kickoff returns. Bush was amazing on punt returns. That might be you know, the, the combination Saints of Courtney and Hart. For, that might be the Saints' last kickoff return for a touchdown, right? Courtney Roby versus the Rams in '09, right? Mm-hmm. Might be. Mur- Murphy yeah. did a punt, but I think that's yeah, it. maybe. So I mean, Sproles didn't get one. He came close. He had a bunch of good returns. He had a really great return in that Philly playoff game, but I don't think he, he returned a couple punts, but I don't necessarily think he ever got a kickoff. Yeah, I remember Cadet was about five to ten yards short of returning Yeah, and the one, dude against one. Atlanta in the, the, the 2014, like, winner take all in the NFC Oh, yeah, Jalen Saunders. Yeah, he almost yeah, He was written. tackled at the one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I but seriously, I think, like, for defense, to get him from – awful to middle of the pack it's a really long mountain and they're doing it because they're going 13 and 3 but i think for special teams the climb from the bottom to the middle or even higher it's not as daunting as people make it and i think coaching in special teams makes all the difference like i think you could you could take bill belichick and and with the saints defense he couldn't really get them to be like the 85 bears but if you take a great special teams coach he can improve almost any special teams in the NFL because the, the special teams, the quality of players are kind of all the same except for returners, you know, especially in coverage situations. So um, uh, I'm trying to think. So I'll start with you, Dave. For 13-3 and three to happen, uh, and it's going to happen. We, we've discussed this. Uh, who, if I was if I was doing fantasy football for the Saints, and 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 I told you the the Saints are going thirteen and three, but I'm not telling you any statistics or nothing. 
who would you draft in your fantasy football league if you if I told you the Saints were going thirteen and three in in twenty seventeen? Mike Thomas. Andrew, who would you who would you pick if the if I told you the Saints were going thirteen and three? Well, sorry, what's the question? If the Saints are going 13-3, and three, the, then I told who would you I to do what? Fantasy football. If I said the Saints are going... Oh, uh, that's oh. the information I'm giving you. I'm giving... The Saints are going 13-3, and three, and that's all the information I'm giving you. And you know that going into your fantasy draft. How do you... What, what do you pick for the Saints? I'm with Dave. I think... Do I have to pick someone different? No. Nope. You can pick... I... I knowing... If I have to pick someone different, I mean, I, I'm... I'm with Dave, but if I have to pick someone different, I'd go with Adrian Peterson. I'd pick Adrian Peterson because <laughs> because here's the thing though: if you told me the Saints are going 13 and three, fantasy like football, something crazy happened, yeah. Fo- fantasy football wise, Michael Thomas, even if he's unbelievable and he gets like 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns, that's not going to win my league in fantasy football. But Adrian Peterson being off the chain might win me my league. And if you told me the Saints going 13 and 3, I yeah. think there's like a 50-50 shot that Adrian Peterson is just off the fucking chain. And so that's why I would, I'd and I'd probably pick him I'd probably pick him if depending on fantasy, I'd probably pick him like bottom of the second round and people would laugh at me, but I'd do it anyway. Uh and I or in the in the in the Saints Happy Hour uh auction league, I'd pay like $20 for him. So um, before we, now we got, uh, we'll go to, we'll get to Twitter questions now. Cause we have a, we have a ton of them. Um, so let's see. Uh, Ralph, do you, do you check the email for this, for the podcast? I have not checked the email in like months. I checked the Twitters. <laughs> uh, Andrew, why is ES, ESPN so dumb? Yesterday on the ticker, they had 75 days until kickoff. Drew Brees is 75 touchdown passes away from breaking the all time touchdown record. Is something incorrect about that? No, I think they're just mad at ESPN. You know, it's easy. Okay. Um, how, Dave, how bad will this season be? 7 and 9 or 7 and 9? Obnoxious who that? That is not the fucking theme of this podcast. 13 and 3. 13 and 3. Andrew, who will be the starting linebackers for week one? That's from Don. Uh, in base, I'm going to say it's. I don't know, man. I'm not buying it. Everyone's saying that Robertson isn't going to start, blah, blah, blah. Um, Robertson is the new Shanley. Yeah. Like, it was Holder Holder that said, you know, that he wasn't betting on Robertson. And Holder, I asked Holder, I was like, so who do you think are going to be the three starters? And he said, LRB, assuming health, LRB, Klein, and Teo. Um, So I'm going to say LRB, Klein. I'm going to say LRB Klein and Robertson. And I know that there would be a log jam in terms of who plays where, um, you know, because LRB, you know, would be weak side. So I, I would say that Robertson would just be back in the middle and they put Klein on strong side. Uh, Dave, where should Drew Brees and Cam Jordan be ranked in the top 100 on NFL Network? That's from Steel Sparks. Where were they? They they were already ranked, didn't they already review? No, where should was? they be ranked? Right, but where were they ranked? Uh, Cam Jordan was like in the seventies, and Drew Brees was in like seventeen. Wait, Cam Jordan? I, I didn't think Cam Jordan was on it. Are you was sure about he? that? Uh, maybe I don't know. No, no, you're right. Yeah, you're but- right. Drew Brees is the only guy. 
You're right. I take it back. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that's that's right as far as I'm concerned. I don't think I don't know whether Cam Jordan deserves to make the top 100. Um, the only, the biggest gripe I have is that what's that uh, young guy from uh, the rookie last year from Kansas City, the explosive guy? Oh, I forget his name. Yeah, he was ridiculous. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that, he was. He was okay. ridiculous. He was ridiculous, but he had like 50 catches. Like, yeah. I mean, he was explosive and he was exciting, here, but here, they had him in the top 50. Here's the th- And here's Mike th- Thomas had literally had double his stats here's the, and wasn't here, in the top 100. Here's the thing with that, that list. NFL players are obviously great and phenomenal football players. They don't know shit about the league. Your average diehard fantasy football player knows more about the NFL teams from 1 to 32 than J.J. Watt will ever fucking know. You know, and that's why this the, the voting poll for this top 100 is ridiculous. And J.J. Watt even said it. He's like, I played three games and they had me on it. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, Dave, if we can only... Well, have... I, think, I think Drew Brees at 17 seems about right and Cam Jordan not even cracking the top 100. I'd say that's uh... about right. Let's see. But would you say it's about right that Tyreek Hill would be ahead of like no. he'd be, no, no, he'd no. be in the top fifty? No. no. If you said to if you said to NFL teams, who would you rather have, Mike Thomas or Tyreek Hill? Thirty two teams would take Mike Thomas, and it wouldn't even be it wouldn't even be a discussion. Uh should the Saints Andrew, should the Saints Saints shut cut ties with Cadet? Do you think Lasco uh would fill the third down back role should Kamara go down? Uh, no, I don't think Kamara, or I'm sorry, I don't think Lasko is fit to be a receiving back. I think if Kamara go down, I just think Ingram snaps go way up. Ingram can be a receiving back, yeah. and he's done it, and he's fine. So, uh, I mean, it's not ideal. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say right now, you know, if the Saints keep four back, I would say, you know, obviously we know the top three. And then Lasko, I would say, just based on kickoff coverage, probably has the um, – um, I'd say he's in pole position for fourth, but I don't think we can say for sure that Cadet. I, I'm, I'm look. I'm not going to count Cadet out. Like he, he's kept an NFL job for this long. He's kind of like Shanley. Like he's like a cockroach. Like every year the Saints get some guy to replace him, and we assume that he's done, and he just he keeps coming back. So like I have way too much respect for that, that guy to just assume that he's done, and until he gets beat out. Um, then I'm not going to just assume that. Yeah. Uh, this is a I've life. Been too many times assuming <laughs> this is a life question from Ryan. Uh, I'm a new dad of a four month old daughter. What was the hardest adjustment that y'all made becoming parents? Dave, you want to answer that first? Uh, well, first of all, congratulations. Yeah. Um, and, uh, girls are awesome. I have one of each as Andrew does. And I very much enjoy my girl. Um, in, in ways that I uh, never have with my son. I think being a father of a girl is, is special in a, in a different way. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll be the... F- <laughs> How is this being positive? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to remember that my mother is listening to this. Here... Uh, here- I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The biggest change for me is it. Look, the 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 minutia of being a parent and and all that is obviously big. But the biggest like change that I notice is 
I fucking hate watching the local news now. Because the local news, the lead story is nothing but <laughs> – That's tr- the biggest difference for you? Yeah. Like it's just tr- – like of all of it. Like that's the thing advice. that comes in. Like, like – the, hey Ryan, the, don't listen to the, Ralph. No, you're like I'm telling you though, you're gonna see you're gonna see the news and then you're gonna be like, uh, seven month old died in a hot car. You're gonna be like, I don't want to watch that. Turn that shit off. Like you seriously, like you just don't. I just like all these horrible. I'm not that even saying again. that's not accurate, but that that's certainly not the biggest. I mean, that's from the thing that pops in my head. The rest of it is just my. I mean, you know, it's all you know. You you worry about them dying and and all this, but you know, it's oh my fun. god, and it's, and it's fun. But I mean, you know, like that's the thing that popped into my head, Andrew. What do you want me to say? What's the biggest change? Well, for I, I I would say the biggest change for me is I mean, it's you start to put someone else someone else's interests ahead of your own, and I mean, at least for me, when I had a kid, I was twenty nine or thirty. Uh, my first, my son, and it became about him. And so, like, I spent a whole life, like, thinking, what am I going to eat next? What should I do today that would be fun? And now, like, especially as they get older, every day it's about their entertainment, especially on weekends. And yeah. what am I going to do to make this a fun day for my kids? So, and also, too, uh, it just becomes a lot more selfless. And, and, and Ryan, you become, it stops being about you. And also, from you become more nostalgic. And in a weird way, I'm closer to my mom because you ask, like, how was I when I was a kid? And how was, you know, you start asking for advice. So you get closer to your parents, which is cool. And you just, like, you become more nostalgic because they'll go through little cycles and you'll be like, okay, that they're walking now. This is the last time I did this. This is the last time, you know, and it's it's just, it's great. And I think, and it makes you, and it's not a negative, like, it makes you feel good about yourself like you i mean you've spent too much time being selfish for yourself so it's a good change of pace i certainly agree with all of you but i'll i'll give ryan a more (laughs) day-to-day day-to-day micro you know diapers you know lack of you know what you know what you know what diaper the whole diaper thing that's that's um that's that's blown out of proportion diapers lack of sleep depends lack of sleep i agree with you diapers are not that big of a deal um no, no, I mean, like for me, it it it, it was, um, you know, the sleeping thing, and I'm not talking about like when your when your kid's four months old, like Ryan's daughter is now, and they're waking up in the middle of the night still and that kind of stuff. But just like, I mean, my kids wake up, my son wakes up at like six thirty, seven o'clock, and like that was never me, even as an adult. I, I <laughs> this was just because of the way I of my job and all that. But I mean, like, I used to wake up at nine. 17 every morning and then just hop in the shower and walk downstairs and go to work uh, um you know but having somebody wake up at 6 30 i mean on just a regular basis i mean i'm now up at 6 30 or 7 o'clock in the morning and, and it's really it's the weekends because you know on the weekends i was never awake before 10 and <laughs> i mean your, your kids wake up at the same time yes they're weekday very or weekend yeah, so assuming up at 6.30 on a Saturday, your Friday night habits are going to change big time. Assuming you do a good job with, with, with the sleep and getting them in a pattern of sleep, I, I do not recommend you being, you know, having them just be loosey-goosey and not having set bedtimes and sticking no, to that you gotta get the, the, late the, all that kind of stuff. Bang that regimen and scheduling them, you'll be better making, off. Making sure they, yeah, I highly recommend making sure they get 11, 12 hours of sleep every night and, and doing it regimented at the same times all the time. Uh, it will, I think it will make your life easier in the long run. Yeah. The best thing that we ever did was, uh, my wife, when we came home, my my wife, 
you she was like you know they they come in and they, and they have like the 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 breastfeeding I call them the breastfeeding Nazis like they're like you gotta breastfeed it it's it's, it's for the kid they, they get vitamins blah 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 and like my wife came home and she wasn't sleeping and then she's like right. when, when she's not sleeping she's got a pump and it's I was like you need to stop this breastfeeding bullshit and just give this kid formula he'll live I promise you and <laughs> we got off the like she did it for, she did the bottle for like what like six seven weeks. The, when you would give Max the the, the breastfeeding, you, you did it for like maybe maybe a month and a half, two months for two months, and I was like, you need to cut this out. And we got him on the bottle, and once we got him on the bottle, we could get that sleep pattern in, and he was sleeping through the night so fast. Like bottle, kids can live on formula. I promise you. That's my tip. So uh, another question from Dylan Andrew. Uh, are you happy you grew up in a time without social media, or would you rather grow up now? No, I'm so glad, man. I mean, I I was, you know, that, I mean, when I was in college and I was 18, I'm oh. sure I behaved the same way that a lot of us did. But we are uh, about, we, we are, I'm just glad there's no evidence from that time. We are about two presidential cycles away, Dylan, from having a presidential candidate have a horrifically embarrassing college video. Oh yeah, and America having to come to grips with it. I mean, it didn't matter because they had like look at the videos that they got on Donald Trump, and he got elected. So maybe it doesn't matter. But you're gonna have a college video of somebody doing just horribly embarrassing things, and America's gonna be like, we don't care. We're gonna elect that person president. So I, I, I feel I, like judgment judgment is on overdrive too, with like the quick information of what someone has done wrong. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah. Um, thoughts on LSU baseball beating Oregon State in their matchup with Florida in the College World oh, Series final? Baby, I hate it, dude. Do I, I get to go? Hate it. Do I get to go? Well, I'm just gonna say this: LSU is winning the national championship, and and this is how I know Ryan because Oregon State had a foul ball that should have been fair, and that game should have been tied, and it wasn't. And LSU went on to win. When that shit happens, you're a team of destiny. LSU's winning. Yeah, it's kind of like the Dolphins and. Redskins games in 09. But um, look, man, all I have to say, I'm a big LSU sports fan and baseball in particular. So, you know, I, I'm dialed in early in the season. So I've been following this team for a while. But I mean, when they lost to Oregon State 13 to 1 and got crushed like, oh. like that, I mean, for a team to bounce back from something like that and to beat Florida State and then come back and beat Oregon State twice in two twice. days. And Oregon State yeah. is not like a run of the mill. They're like they lost if, four times all if, year. If they would have won the national if they would have won the national title this year, they could say we're the best college baseball team ever. Ever. And it ever. would have been yeah. a good argument to have. So it's it, so, it's crazy. So I'm I'm pumped, man, and, and look, I'm old enough now. I mean I'll be thirty seven this year to where you know the Saints <laughs> Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, the the Saints won in two thousand nine. I mean, it's gonna we're, we're coming up on a ten year anniversary, away, not man. not too long from now, and so and we're ten you know, years and, away from LSU's last football title. That's right. And look, I've been a Saints fan my whole life. I've gotten one Super Bowl in my in my in my, in my lifetime, and for a long time, I didn't believe that they ever would. So I'm not naive enough to not appreciate moments like this because I don't know when my sports teams are going to get back to championships. Who knows? Um, so I, I'm appreciating this, man. LSU, I'm really enjoying LSU's it. LSU's winning the national titles. Astros winning the World Series. It'll be the year of baseball. 
D- Dave, this is from Dylan. Should the Saints kick the tires with Greg Hardy? And I don't want any moral reasons because we signed Adrian Peterson. You don't wait. What what was that last part? He doesn't. Want he doesn't that. want. He doesn't want you to give moral reasons why they shouldn't sign Greg Hardy. Because no, they I, sign I a, think it's, Adrian I think Peterson. It be, I think it would be <laughs> hypocritical of me um, to to be okay, or anybody really, to be okay with the Adrian Peterson signing, um, and to have an issue. Well, I mean, they're different. They're you know they're different offenses, but uh, um, there are a lot of people in the NFL that have a lot of bad history and backgrounds and criminal records, and we still support them. So, well, here's a, here's uh, a, you know, as far as football is concerned, yeah, I, I think Greg Hardy would be uh, uh, an upgrade for this team. And Hey, what do you I guys could, think about the Oregon State pitcher? Oh, my God. I don't even – he didn't even get drafted. I don't even know what you're talking about because LSU he, baseball they, is terrible. They, I hate them. <laughs> no, the, yeah, this is yeah, Oregon the, the Oregon State. I know. The, the pitcher – But we're talking about it because of LSU. The pitcher – and when he was 16, he molested a five-year-old, and they just found out about oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't get drafted, and the baseball draft is like 40 or 50 rounds. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, he, he was 15. That's a that's a hard one because it, it's a horrible, horrible act, but you're like, he was 15? And, like, does he not get to go on with his life? Because clearly he's never playing baseball again. I mean, I don't That's – you don't I, think he could go to JUCO? Maybe, or may, I mean, maybe Oregon State will take him back. I mean, I year? think I think Oregon State will take him back, but I just, oh, I mean, I just don't think. I mean, teams just don't want to touch that man. They That's just a toxic thing. And yeah. he's and he's and the thing is, he's awesome as a pitcher. Oh, he's like, ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, I mean, as an LSU fan, I'm. I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm glad this is all going down, but. It would have been a different story having to face him. Yeah, I, think. I mean, the one thing about Greg Hardy, and here's why this team, the teams don't sign him, Dylan, is is even forget the 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 off field stuff about what he did to the woman was horrible. He one thing he never said like I'm sorry, like he does not give a shit. And two, he's really, re- even before the stuff with the the woman and all that, like he is extremely difficult to deal with in the locker room. Like, he's a giant pain in the ass. He mouths off to the media. He did it in Carolina. He did it in Dallas. When Dallas, like, was the only team that gave him a shot, he was still mouthing off. Like, he's just really, really difficult to deal with. And the one thing we know Sean Payton fucking hates is guys that make dealing with the media more difficult. And Greg Hardy does that in spades. You know? So uh, it's just, it's not, it's not, it, it's not going to happen. It wouldn't happen. Like the Saints could have massive injuries on defensive. It's not happening. Be- and it's not because of off. It's because, it's because of how Greg Hardy deals with the media and is within the locker room. Uh, so I think that's, uh, I think that's it for the question. You can't even, you can't even rationalize with that guy. No, you, like, like here's the thing. Like most NFL players, when if you look at Ray Rice or whoever, even Michael, they all realize that they did something terrible, and they go on the forgiveness tour. And even if they don't believe it, they fake it enough to where fans and teams can be like, "You see, he's really sorry. We're giving him another shot." Like Greg Hardy did. He didn't even. He could. Hardy even, wouldn't even get past the interview behind closed doors. Like Sean Payton would be like, "Listen, uh, I'm gonna have to." Eat. I'm going to have to ask you to behave like this and this for this to work. And he would, he would tell Sean Payton to his face, fuck you. I'm not doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's like a non-starter. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing with like Greg Hardy. He has like, he is li- like his knuckleheadedness, assholeness has like, 
kept him out of the league. You know, and also, too, with Dallas, once Greg Hardy was always a guy where, like, if he didn't give you double digit sacks, you were like, bye bye. You know, it's sort of like Junior in a way. Like, Junior was fine uh, uh, until the injuries hit and all that. But no, Greg Hardy, it's, it's, it's not happening. Uh, so that wraps it up for this podcast. Uh, thanks for everybody. We did 13 uh, 3. Final question, Andrew. 13 and 3 uh, on a scale, odds that 13 and 3 happens for the 2017 Saints. Do I still have to say no? Delusional? You no, you can give a give, you can give an honest <laughs> assessment of the p- possibility of thirteen and three. Zero percent. So, Dave. Five seven percent. I'm gonna say if just having Drew Brees gives them a fifteen percent chance of it. Just, you know. So anyway, go to zero. Z- z- Andrew, the whole podcast was rainbows and ponies, and Andrew just shit all upon it. So no, no, I mean the stuff we talked about. I mean, some of it could happen. And ten and six, I'm not even saying I'm not saying playoffs are out of the question. They're not going thirteen and three. A mix of all the no chance. No chance. You can save this. You can save this soundbite right now. There is zero percent chance the Saints are going thirteen and three or higher. And you can play this and mock me. For we'll the rest you. of eternity, we'll won't happen because we'll it won't. Uh, so go to Saints Nation; they have awesome articles. Michael Thomas, best receiver in Saints history. Uh, Dave's still working on the preview. It's like his. Uh, it's like Tolstoy. He's working on it. It's getting done. Uh, it's gonna come around. Like four people got that reference, but I don't care. I was really proud of it. Uh, so uh, go to Canal Street Chronicles. So uh, for Kevin, who was MIA and at wrestling. Uh, for Dave, for Andrew, uh, until next week, the bar is closed. <laughs>